Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brianne. Hey everyone, I'm Guile and I tweet at Door Podcast and today I'm joined by Kama. Hi, this is Kama and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen Kama Splice on Tumblr and my god I gotta get a new handle over there. <laughs> and by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And today we're going to be discussing Daenerys' second chapter in A Storm of Swords and um, trigger warning for like legit Everything Anything you might Everything. be triggered by. So this, this is the worst. Yeah. So um, this is the worst chapter ever. I'm really pleased to be bringing it to you <laughs> today. So we catch up with Danny, and she is in where we find out is Astapor. And it's like this crumbling, oldest shit, like br- red brick town. And um, it used to be... Like, it was part of old Gies, G-H-I-S. I'm going to call it Gies, and I'm going to say it like that for some reason. I like it because it slides right into old geezer. So, yes, go for it. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, the gods of Gies are dead, and the Astapori were basically um, mongrels, which is really a, a lovely um, a lovely way to put it. And we're in the main square, and... We are meeting the delightful Prasnes Monaklas, who, um, amongst many of the reasons you're going to hate him by the end of the chapter, he is, you know, every time he, he's talking to Danny, and every time he refers to her as a whore. And he's speaking in um, High Valerian, and Danny is pretending that she um, doesn't know it. And so Prasnes has a little girl that is translating it into the common tongue. So the, one of the few pleasant parts of this chapter is how the little girl who will later find out is Missende. She is very good at taking like this awful things that Krasny is saying and um, translating them into more palatable language. And especially when you find out she's, she's supposed to be like 10 years old. Yeah. She's 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 the same age as Arya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, George has never met children. Um, no. And she's smart. You know, like she tells him once, you know, oh, the Westerosi woman is pleased with what she sees, but she won't say anything because she wants to keep the price down, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we find out what she's seeing are the soldiers called the Unsullied. And we've heard about the Unsullied before because we've heard the story of um, the Dothraki were trying to take over a city and the city had hired Unsullied. And the Dothraki charged numerous times, and the Unsullied stood. And so, she's right. She's right. This is, yeah, this is my dog's. But like her, actually, a, a dog she likes in the neighborhood, walking by a cum, a clumber spaniel. Anyway, she's our fourth podcaster for this episode. <laughs> you know, she she really is. Yes, that was very impressive. Thank you for your service. It's the whole routine. Anyway, um, so we find out that Danny's looking at some 
looking at some Unsullied with the idea of potentially buying them. If you remember back to her first chapter, um, that was Jorah's advice that, you know, maybe she should buy some slave soldiers to help her conquer Westeros. And, um, you know, we find out some about, we find out about the Unsullied that they're generally chosen. They're young. They're between like 16 and 20, Danny thinks. Um, they're chosen for size, speed, and strength. They start training at five. Um, only one in three boys survives the training. And, you know, they're incredibly obedient. Like, at one point, Krasnys basically takes off the nipple of one of them. And they don't do anything. And we find out they take this... Um, Ugh, what is it called? Like, it's this potion, essentially, that they take every day that's supposed to make it so they don't feel pain, more or less, which seems sketchy, but, you know, you never know. Um, and, you know, we find out more about their training. Like, basically, they're, you know, they take their penis and their balls, um, not just the balls. Yeah, this president's guy has a th- lot of thoughts on how to make the best eunuchs and they are disgusting and terrible. And I don't know why I had to read them. Yeah. So much in this chapter. um, Yes. You know, it's, and you know, she's looking and they're basically, they're basically young men from like every Eastern culture. You know, there's Dothraki, there's people who are from the summer islands. There's people from, you know, Lazarine, you know, the Lazarine, there's Carthine people. Um, there's people that look like they're from Gies, so they're just, you know, like, obviously this multicultural poor slave, poor slave army. And, um, she's so, she's with there with Barristan, who's still under his Arston disguise, Arslan disguise. And she, it's interesting, because she, like, specifically thinks about how she chose to bring him, because she knew that he was opposed to it, and she kind of wanted the counter, um, the counter proposal from Jorah. So Jorah's back on the ships with the dragons and Barristan is with her. And, you know, Barristan's listening to all the shit and he's just getting more and more pissed. And he keeps banging his staff, like the more mad that he gets. Um, I love that he's pretending he doesn't speak High Valyrian either. Yeah. Yeah. They're both, and they're both pretending that. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when we, you know, just a little part about like how many different cultures are in the Unsullied. Cause you know, later, Barristan is training boys of all of these different cultures, you know, not like as slaves as like something horrific that happened to him. So it's sort of like, and, you know, interesting seeing that come to fruition for him in a couple books where he's like in, you know, like in like the, the nice position, I guess, like for lack of a better way to put it, um, you know, like working with these people outside or, you know, working with like, you know, boys from all these places in a much under much better circumstances. Um, you know, we do find out more about the horrible circumstances of of the Unsullied. Like, they're given a new name every day so that they, um, basically just to kind of keep them down. Like, they're given the name of Vermin and they throw all these names basically into um, a cask at the end of the day and they draw a name at random. It's just, you know, so they have no sense of self, basically. To just and, completely dehumanize them. Right. And, you know, as part of their training, they have to go to the market, the slave market, and kill an infant before its mother. And, you know, just 
you know, obviously I just want to like study. beyond all the horrible human whatever of this, and it is just like unbelievably horrific. I just don't even know how. Just like honestly, the economy of this would even work. It, right. It costs too much in resources to grow a human to be this cavalier about human life. I think even if you're a slaving society, I feel like. Like, well, and then even only one of three of the unsullied survive it. So. No, you know, that makes no sense either. Like that, yeah. that just doesn't hold up. the The economics of this don't wash out. I don't think uh, beyond you know, of course, the horrible, horrible human rights violations. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, like I, I don't think this. This is one of those things that, like, you know, a bunch of I'll just throw this out a bunch of dudes at at some you know, fantasy sci fi convention in the corner and like come up with this concept for a society and it just like doesn't hold water whatsoever. You just think they're it's they're drinking their steema or whatever and yeah. Just, yeah, you're high on your own supply and you think this will really shock the girls in the audience and, and you go with it and it's like, it doesn't even really make sense. It's just like gore for the gore and horror yeah. for the sake of it. And like, I don't like it. There's I, like, I, I really, he just went too far here. Right. I, I and feel it, like Danny's chapters are particularly rife for this sort of dude, bro. I yeah, don't know. Because yeah. of course he others, these societies, he, he has, he has centered Westeros as a, quote unquote, Western society. And he has placed, you know, so much of, of what happens in Danny's chapters and the cultures that she visits as non-Western. And therefore he treats them like they somehow don't have humanity sometimes and aren't, aren't capable of showing humanity to one another. And it's just, it's not nice. It's not cool. It's, it's too far. And I hate it. And I'm annoyed Every bit of it that I have to reread at this point, it just kind of is pissing me off. TBH. And like, Danny's too good for it. Like, she doesn't do, yeah. you know, she's she too good of a character. No. For this. And, you know, we find out they have to kill a baby, but also, like, each boy is given a puppy to raise. And then when they're cut, <laughs> they have to kill their, or they're given a puppy when they're cut. And then they have to kill, they have to strangle their puppy. So I'm really happy that Devin's not in this episode because, like, there's a lot of talk about eating dogs and killing dogs in this one as well. And just, you know, like think of these boys who are torn away from everything. They're, you know, they're mutilated and then they're given a puppy. That's like the only thing in the world they have to love and be loved by. And then they have to kill it. Like, it's just like, I yeah. know that shouldn't be feel worse than them having to kill another infant, but it does like, it, you know, it shouldn't, but it, it does. Having to kill something that loves them back, which clearly is something that they, they these poor guys are completely stripped of not just their humanity, but all of their identity. And it's yeah. like to think that they would each have one thing that would love them back and then they're forced to kill it. It's like yeah. so horrific. Like it's just beyond, right. it is, it's it is like unnecessarily we, horrific. Yeah. And just, um, you know, she, it goes to this idea, well, that doesn't really go to anything, but, you know, there's this idea that the Unsullied, because they take, like, this magic potion, essentially, but then also, like, they've been stripped of everything, so there's nothing that anyone can give them to, like, hurt their loyalty. You know, they and can't... It's like, why would they even be alive? I mean, like, you're talking about such psychological damage that I don't even know that a, uh, that a human could function. Like, you know, it's just, it's too far. It's so far that it's just not believable that this could exist. That's how far right, he like went they, with this. Yeah, magical to it. Um, magical Adderall that somehow makes all of this okay for them. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's just, again, to your earlier point, you know, in the first two books, we have the Dothraki as, like, this faceless, you know, for the most part, faceless entity. And now we have the Unsullied as this, like, faceless entity of, of other, of, you know, othered people, kind of. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean. It's not fair. I mean, like, human beings are human beings. It doesn't matter if they speak a different language than you. Like, they still work the same way. Like and I mean, we love, we what, love again, our children. You know, things, we love the people we know. Like yeah. that, this is just this is part of the human condition. It really doesn't matter where you're born or what your society is like. It's just and, absurd to pretend that that isn't true. And again, you hope that he is learning because when we get to dance, and again, you know, when Barrison's working with some of these boys, like they are given like personalities, they are given motivations and stuff. They're not, you know, a monolithic entity anymore. So again, you know, if we ever got additional books, I would, you know, I would have some hope for a better, you know, a better portrayal of the people. of Agreed. I, I think we've probably got a better George now. I think he's maybe aware yeah. of, of where he went yeah. with some of this and the way that he framed, you know, Westeros as this anti-slavery, you know, much better society or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So Danny's negotiate, you know, she's, it's the start of negotiating. So there's, you know, like, you know, do they come with their weapons and, you know, they come with their clothes and like their, their helmet and, you know, just like, you know, what, you know, what comes with them? What are the options? What are, you know, again, like this icky, icky slavery and, you know, there's just horrible things like as near the end, like Krasny's like, Oh, do you want to go to the fighting pit? Like they're going to have a bear and then three small boys and one's going to be rolled in honey, one in blood and one in rotting fish. And you can bet on which one the bear will eat first. Like, and like, it's so like over the top, like horrific that there's just like, what kind of people do you think there are that have like collectively no respect for life like that? You know, like, cause they're, have their bends? I mean, I mean, I yes, know. there are societies. Our society, hello, all three of us are from the United States of America, and our society had chattel slavery too close to living memory. Yeah. And yes, ca- societies are capable of great inhumanity, but it's usually, you know, there there's like some containment and some rules at times. And it's like, I'm not saying that there were not horrific things. Right. Of course, under chattel slavery, the very factor idea of it alone is horrific, but it's just like, he's reveling in a level of inhumanity among people that he has clearly like othered from the Westerosi who we're supposed to be rooting for. And that is the biggest issue as though, you know, everyone in these, these other societies is capable of an inhumanity that just doesn't exist in the Westerosi. And it's like, no, 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 (laughs) we're all the same. We all work the same. Human beings are human beings. Get off high horse. And the Westerosi, you know, if if this is your world, then they should be capable. Well, they do do some pretty horrible things, but they should also be doing these horrible things. If this is if this is the world that you've created where everybody just constantly does horrific, horrific, unfathomably terrible things to one another every single moment. of Without respite, then everybody should be doing that. Yes. Because that's just what you got here. Because what this is, is just, you know, it just seems gross. Extra gross. It's it's always gross, but come yeah. on. Yeah, and you know, Barrison's really. I mean, Danny's really upset by it. This Barrison's like really upset by it, and he's like, "That we need. Let's just go. Like we don't need to be here. You can go to you know go to the free cities, and you know we'll send whispers across the narrow sea, and you know we'll find you support like that. Like you can do this without a slave army, and 
you know, Danny's just like, I, you know, she doesn't want to be a beggar. You know, she talks about how she's been a beggar and a slave and, you know, she doesn't want to be in that position of weakness either. Like she doesn't want to put herself in that position of, of being beholden to, you know, whatever powers are in the, the free cities either. And so she just, you know, she's really, she's pretty torn here. Well, I mean, the thing is, I don't know if this is a defense of Danny. Danny has been quite literally raised around all of these societies with slavery. And I think she has a level of comfort with it that is at times uncomfortable. At the same time, she clearly hates slavery and has viewed herself as having been sold. And so, you know, she has incredible empathy and sympathy for everyone in it. But she, you know, she does flirt with this concept a little bit of possibly, you know, enslaving people, buying slaves and and having enslaved mm-hmm. people herself. And, you know, I, you can kind of just go, she has been just completely raised around this where it's just utterly normalized. And well, so you can see that she has trouble. Sandy. Yes. Uh, like that. Oh, you know, people from wherever she's from. I can't remember the butterfly oh, fly. Nah. Oh, they yeah. make the yeah. best slaves. And she's yeah. not thinking of it and like, Oh, that's horrible. She's just like, that's just a fact that she feels like she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fact, that she's been taught more than yeah so she gets back to the ships and she's you know she's really troubled by this and she you know she's thinking about Jorah kissing her that happened in the last chapter and she's kind of feeling horny um okay this is another thing that I am uncomfortably aware of not just I always knew that he kissed her and she didn't like it but rereading this chapter there's almost a weird thread of did she secretly like it and i hate yeah. george i hate him yeah, I, hate I hate him i'm it's really so mad gross. at him really mad at him this chapter oh. yeah. I'll, I'll hold back until you get there no i mean it, and you know so then she's playing with herself and eerie wakes up and finishes for her God. Um, and you know they don't say you know she just goes right back to sleep after her <laughs> eerie goes right back to sleep after this is such a dude bro thing. It's such a dude bro thing. And of course, there's the layer also of Eerie, you know, was bought. You know, she is essentially yeah. a slave, an enslaved person. And like, there are just 17 layers of gross about this. Yeah. And, and and I mean, oh. like, it's annoying that George uses, you know, the, these these little bisexual moments for titillation, and then someone's like, well, you have these bisexual characters like Danny and Cersei, and he's like, oh, no, they're not bisexual. And it's like, well, then why did you put these scenes in, George? What are they for? Just just to yeah, get off I on? Mean, like, for you and your buddies? What? what? Well, that's why it's like Danny deserves better, because, like, she's so sexualized by him. But then, you know, it's like, in the literal next scene, it's like she's so angry with... Like, she's so angry with Jorah for even bringing this up and making her feel like she should do this. Like, she's angry for, like, being put in the position to have to make this decision. And it's such a natural, like, to me, it's, like, a very natural feeling. Like, I don't, you know, she's, like, I mean, she has, I don't even know if it's at this part, but there's, like, this point where she's, like, well, now I guess I have to buy these fucking slaves, and I, you know, I have to do this, right? Like, I stuck in this position where this is the move I have to take and it's horrifying and vile and like I feel like you know you've kind of forced me into this which isn't necessarily fair to him either but you know she feels like she's been forced into this position by him and she's so resentful of it which I feel like is very natural as well yeah yeah 
I mean, you know, and this is and this is the uncomfortable thing. She is entertaining the idea. And, I, you know, I'm sure she's thinking to herself, well, I won't treat them like this and having all these thoughts. But at the same time, I think just the act of buying another human being it, yourself personally. And it's like she's been basically gifted people before, you know, like had had enslaved people given to her. But I think buying them herself is like another another level. And I think that's a lot of what she's you know, struggling with yeah, here. Yeah. She is struggling with it. She's not, she's not outright rejecting it, which is, you know, tough to stomach. Well, I mean, you know, she, she respects Jorah and Barristan as, and you know, Jorah more because he's been with her longer. I mean, she respects their counsel. And I mean, Jorah is giving very, well, very strong counsel that she should do this. Like he's really, you know, well, they're like the angel and the devil on her shoulders. Yeah. Barristan yeah. and Jorah here. Jorah's like, oh, let's buy some people. And yeah. Barristan's like, let's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she has no, I mean, I mean, the only good choice that Danny has is to like go off on, you know, just leave, <laughs> like just go off somewhere nice and, and hang out with their dragons and, you know, be a oddity of the world more or less. But, you know, she's decided she wants the Iron Throne, and you know, I mean, which way is easier for her to get the Iron Throne? I mean, I can see where she probably thinks, like, the Slaver's Army is probably, but yeah. It's... You understand the temptation, and like I said, she's been raised where slavery has been just totally normalized for her, mm-hmm. even though she has, you know, obviously, from the beginning, we know she has personal issues with it, or, you well, know, like, you know I think like I can see why she'd be tempted and she's very she's not fish out of water in her chapters right I mean like she's usually very comfortable adapting to the culture she figures out how to dress how to act she's she's absorbed things and I think to a certain extent she does adopt some of these beliefs I mean she has them it's just what happens um so I can see why that would be a thing that would be very like, okay, this is it. Like you said, Chicky, it's normalized. I mean, Astor wrong, but it's normalized. Like Astor, you know, she thinks Astor is absolutely repugnant. You know, like she is yeah. horrified by it. So like, you know, this is the, if, you know, if you throw in, if you buy this, if you throw in with Astor like, you know, that is big. That is an absolute big deal. And well, and this is this is like one of the themes of her whole story is, you know, oh, yeah. her identity. She is never like like you said, comma, she's really never a fish out of water because she has no water. She has never actually yeah. had her own home that matches like the society that she comes from and the culture that she comes from. She is just a woman with no home. And so, you know, I think part of this is like she's she she is testing the waters of basically different, you know, society and government types throughout her her chapters and, and you know, learning what what she does and doesn't want to have, which, you know, usually she makes the best choice. But Jorah's best argument is that, you know, hey, when you know, when King's Landing was sacked, you know, babies were butchered and women were raped. But when the Unsullied sack a city, they do what you want. And so, you know, they're not going to rape, they're not going to put a city to a sword, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, they, they're they going to be like nice conquerors, um, uh. which is 
He'll just but that's literally like kind of almost a winning argument for her is that like she's you know she's planning on going to war and she's planning on killing people and you know she's never going to you know she's already made the choice she's not going to keep her hands clean so like why is she objecting to this kind of and maybe I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. I mean I, there's oh go ahead I hate this chapter so much. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, everyone in this chapter deserves better than they're getting. Every yeah. single character well, in this chapter. Well, except for the <laughs> disgusting human being. Um, well, yeah. Except for Krasny's and Jorah, who kind of deserves a little worse. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, but it was, like, yeah, it's, it's just like, it opens with the, the image of the harpy fountain with the water, the yellow water gushing from the yeah. breasts, which I did Google, and there is a famous harpy fountain, apparently, that has a similar kind of thing. But it that just set the tone for me, and it just got worse from there. You and, know? you know, they have this discussion about Rhaegar, and, you know, there's just a couple of notes on it, and then, like, we'll end with the final class. You know, they, there's a fairly iconic line. but. You know, um, she says that, you know, Barristan said that, you know, Rhaegar led free men into battle, not slaved. And he made his, you know, he made his knights. And Jorah's like, there's no higher honor than to receive your knighthood from the Prince of Dragonstone, which just reminds me that, like, you know, Gregor Clegane received his knighthood. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's nothing uh-huh. unsullied, like, not to pardon the pun, but there's nothing unsullied ever in, in, the, in these stories. Like, even, you know, the knighthood bestowed is sullied by, you know, someone like Gregor Clegane. And it kind of comes down to this this argument where Danny's like, you know, my brother, you know, Viserys would have bought these soldiers, but Rhaegar had men that were willing to die for him, not because he bought him, because they believed in him. And, you know, do I, shouldn't I have people that believe in me and not people that have been bought and paid for? And, um, Jorah, I'll, I'll read the last paragraph. Um, my queen, the big man said slowly, all you say is true, but Rhaegar lost on the trident. He lost the battle. He lost the war. He lost the kingdom and he lost his life. His blood swirled downriver with the rubies from his breastplate and Robert, the usurper rode over his corpse to steal the iron throne. Rhaegar fought valiantly, Rhaegar fought nobly, Rhaegar fought honorably, and Rhaegar died. And, you know, just, does she want to win or does she want to be noble? And, again, like, just because, you know, was Rhaegar noble? Was Rhaegar perfect? Like, no. God, no. So it's sort of like, it's a false choice. Well, and it's Jorah saying this. Right. (laughs) So, automatically, you know, I'm like. But, I mean, that's that's how he is. You know, he's very effectively framing it in that, you know, you got to get your hands a little, you know, you're going to get your hands dirty doing this and you can't be, you can't be a baby about it. But I mean, there there is, of course, the third underlying truth here that there is with everyone vying for the fucking Iron Throne, which is none of you need to do this. People are going to die yep. so that you can have this power. <laughs> And, and people who are non-combatants who don't give a damn are yes. going to die. It's yes. not just people rising up against you or for you. It's the people who just want to get up in the morning and bake their bread and go to market and do their thing. Raise Popeye. their kids. And, and, you know, and by the end of this book, like, Westeros is going to be ruled by, like, 
a really nice little boy who likes kittens and a family, you know, a ambitious family who, you know, tries to gain trust by giving everyone food. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if it was Danny Joffrey, maybe, but I mean, it's like, you yeah, know, it's like no one's gonna be no one's gonna be going for Danny over you know Tommen. <laughs> at, no, at this I think, point in the story, I think that's why Aegon exists because George knows he couldn't yeah. have Danny kill Tommen, or <laughs> there would be no forgiveness. Well, and just like you know, who can hate the the sweet little kitten king? Um, other than you know, only Dorn. monsters, only monsters could. Right. And I mean, I don't think he's willing at this point yet to make Danny into that kind of a monster, you know? No, he can't. No, no. Yeah. I mean, he believes, you know, he, yeah. I mean, I think he believes in her at this point. I mean, I believe in her at this point. It's like, I mean, it's an interesting question. I don't know, Kama, if we had any questions about this, but I mean, is she better to buy the Unsullies than she would be to go to, you know, go to the free cities and try to, you know, find supporters you know, via back channels. We don't have any specific questions on that. We do have other questions, though. Okay. Um, and one, I don't know if this was... I'm not sure on the meaning of this, so I'm just going to read it as it is. But Buck O'Hare from Discord says, What do you think that the Unsullied as a slave army would have been that useful to fake Aegon or Danny? I don't know if that's supposed to be why or... How? So would they have been better for him than for her? I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, he probably would have used them more ruthlessly than yeah. she ever would. That's well, what I would say. Like, oh, she's got three dragons and this, you know, like super powerful, you know, supernatural unsullied army. Like, does it make it? You know, does it make it a foregone conclusion or does it give her more support if she's if they're like, oh, holy shit, you know, she's got like, you know, all this power. I think, though, I mean, in any any war situation, it's not just, okay, you've got the weapon. It's how do you deploy the weapon? How do you deploy your troops? What do you have them doing? And I think that's where it's not just who's got the most guns. It's how are you using those guns? Yeah, I mean, I guess the Unsullied are sort of, you know, they're like evening the playing field between her and Egan and whoever else in Westeros, like the conventional weapons, you know, like she obviously has the nuclear weapons, but can she, is she a competitor without the nuclear weapons and the Unsullied like make her one? Well, here's what I would say, and this is why he's there, is Barristan is telling her, look, we can get people on your side if you get to Westeros. Um, if you walk in with an army of enslaved people, you're never going to get them on your yep. side because they're never going to be able to understand that. There's just too much of a cultural difference. And I think he's right. And this is why she needs Barrison because as much as she's relied on Jorah for some advice about Westeros, she's always known, it's always been clear that Jorah had, had fundamentally failed at Westerosi morality or whatever. That's the reason that he's an exile. He's and Barristan is there to be like, no, this, these, this is, this is how the game is played. Now, of course, Barristan has his own issues and that he has accepted, um, you know, unacceptable compromises to keep, you know, his own position or to support disgusting regimes like Aris Targaryen. But 
Barristan has a much better bead on where the general Westerosi society lies and, and, and can give her actually good advice about that. And he's right about this. You cannot, you could maybe do some conquesting, but you're never going to hold Westeros if this is how you do it. And this actually ties into a question Cardinal Girl 75 from Discord asks. Um, in this chapter, Barristan says that <clears throat> something that has been said to an exiled Targaryen before, that half of Westeros will rise up in support of them if when they reclaim, return to reclaim the Iron Throne. Yes, he later, yet he later walks that back by saying that they may, quote, yearn in their hearts, unquote, for Targaryen restoration. But how much do you think he truly believes what he says? Mm, I don't like, know. I, I think practically speaking, he's got to know, okay, like in terms of the, like the small folk don't matter, right? They're just going to be conscripted or killed, right? That's not really who's going to be rising up. He's got to be thinking of like it's the knights, it's the their vassals, it's all those people. So what is going to get them motivated? And I mean, while there are people who clearly did side with the Targaryens, I mean, Robert's been around for a while. You know, people forget shit. I mean, well, and I think the thing that 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 gets lost in some of this is the realm did fairly well under Robert. Yeah, like it wasn't that bad under Robert. So they don't have a terrible taste in their mouth about Robert. Now they're getting a terrible taste because of the stupid war that's going on right now. But, you know, Robert's actual reign, I don't think the most of the common folk were that upset about it. I mean, we do run into, there are some Targaryen loyalists out there. We know this even among the small folk. I mean, Brienne runs into a few. Right. But I mean, I think we're, there's none of this. I mean, this idea that half of Westeros will rise up and support. Who is no. that? Yeah. Is that, no. that's not the baker. It's not your Smith. It's, it's the Lords who are going to be like, okay, let's go, you know, and they're going to get their knights going. Maybe or not because, well, and I think you you said it well, I mean, he's telling her, you can't, you cannot invade with this slave army because it's just going to look like, you know, they're not going to go for that. You need to try to return as a Westerosi. And if you return as not a Westerosi, they're just, you know, that's just going to get you rejected by everybody, basically, is what he's telling her. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I never thought of it in terms of like, you know, you think about how Westeros acts about the wildlings who are, you know, many of them are not that culturally different than Right. The North. They speak the no, same language. Obviously they can are, understand yeah, one another. They all speak the yeah. same language. Like, and they're yeah, exact. it's not like they're indigenous. Like, they have a different language. They're culturally extremely different. They're not that dissimilar. Yeah, they don't kneel to their king and they elect them, but otherwise, it's pretty much the same, right? And you know, they're just like it's completely unacceptable to think that you know they might like they don't even want to talk to them to find out like why are you fleeing? You know, they're just completely. Like, no, no, you know, noped out. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that Westeros would open their arms to the Unsullied and like, oh, we love you. The dragons, no. the dragons are another thing. I think, yeah. you know, you could say Aegon the Conqueror and the Targaryen lore has been integrated into, like, Westerosi identity. Even though it's Valyrian and, and foreign, like, you know, they 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 accepted the Targaryen <laughs> role. And so that, I mean, the dragons are not going to get her rejected. It's like... Hey, Danny, just wait and let your dragons grow up. You come rolling yeah. in, 
you don't need an army. You come rolling in on your big dragon with like some bodyguards and you're going to get people coming out of the, you're going to get people coming out of the woodworks to, uh, to come, you know, to come to your aid or, you know, from like, like a nostalgia perspective from fear from like a holy, you know, wow, she must be something if she has dragons, like, holy crap, like all of that she would get. Yeah. Without, you know, the Unsullied. And no one even, like, that's what's interesting is they never approach her dragons as, like, this, like, the mythology of them. Which there's such power to that. Poor Danny. <laughs> what other questions do we have? Actually, that was the end of our questions. Most are at the end. I mean. Okay, but we got to talk about this. Yeah, she's trying to indicate that she does, in fact, have some latent attraction to Jorah because, like, I just want to throw this. Well, it's not a book; it's, it's a, a it's tablet really out the window. I feel he has a miss. He doesn't understand how human biology works is a big thing, and I think, <laughs> or at least female biology, I think is a big part of this. And I mean, it, it's. I don't know. I think. He's hinting at it, but I don't know if he wants to go there. I It's just gross. Oh, God, I just I can't. If he goes there, I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't think we have to worry about it. I mean, no, I think. Good point. You know, even if, well, I wasn't even thinking of he's never going to finish, but I think he's sort of, he's moved on with her to other characters. We may have to endure t- stuff with Tyrion, but I don't know if that would be worse. No, I had forgotten that until you just said it. Ah, God. I mean, there's Danny. this part in here. It's near the end of the chapter, and you know, where he asked to speak to her, and it says Danny did not turn. She could not bear to look at him just now. If she did, she might slap him again or cry or kiss him and never know which was right and which was wrong and which was madness, which is such a like like Why? stupid such like, a romance moment. novel, rapey romance yeah. novel thing. It's just Yeah. And just like, ugh. I mean, it's also, just, what is it with well, him and these women who are like in bed sleeping and then, you know, need to. Uh, sorry. This is like, just every man's sorority fantasy, every straight cis man's sorority fantasy right there. Just two women in bed. They're probably just going to end up doing stuff like that's just what ha- that's just what they think. There's no relationship, but she's just going to turn around and service her. And it's just like a thing that women do. I'm, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, stop, you, you filthy, pervy man. Sorry to every bisexual out there for what you've just endured. I'm sorry to everyone who had to read this chapter. Yeah, and he just can't terrible. give, Danny, you know, he can't, he can't give Danny a book where she's not, like, where, where being sexualized isn't part of her story. And, and like, we get that Jorah's into her, like, but that's his thing. Like, there's no reason for any of that in her. I mean, she has like four or five chapters in this book. She's not a big part of it. And this doesn't, I mean, this does not need to be here at all. It's just, like you said, it's just meant for titillation. And it's like, why? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't. This is not, this is not part of her character. No. It's just there for what it is. And yeah. it's terrible there for her to be you know like, like a sex like objectified just yes. to objectify yeah. right right and it's like it's not like we object like we've got over no, if this were part of her like, story and part of her character fine but it's not that's not what it is 
Like, she's actually, like, as she should be since she was, like, raped at, like, 13. She's not, like, a super sexy character. Like, that's not who she is at all. And it's just so weird that, like, it has to be in here when it's really, like, her story is about, like, you know, how far she's willing to go for her power and, like, what part of her own morality, which, I mean, she does have, like, a really strong, like, moral compass and, like, what is she willing to compromise to, you know, achieve this goal that she has? Which is, like, an interesting... I mean, that is an interesting character. Like, I don't need anything else. Like, I don't need a romance. I don't, you know... I mean, I'm not gonna be opposed if there's some shit between her and John in some future book. Like, fine. But I don't need it here. Yeah, and I think it, it detracts. I mean, this is partly why I find... I don't like reading her chapters is because I often encounter this stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just like, Oh God. Okay. There's going to be something gross sexually, or it's going to be he something stupid, her. weird. Like they're perf- perfuming her Volvo or they're yeah. with cinnamon, cinnamon or, or she's wearing this stupid dress with her breast bared. I mean, it's always something gross. From the first chap, Danny chapter in a Game of Thrones, he does this, and it's just annoying and disgusting, and it's awful, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, and I think like again, she's a strong, she's a strong enough, interesting enough character that she doesn't need any of it. No. And, yeah, you know, remember women exist. We're people. Remember, George, you said this. Like, <laughs> what's most that. annoying is he can he he's capable of not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, the, he doesn't she's do that really, with all of his women. Well, and it's like, even, you know, like I think of Asha's chapter, like her chapter where she's having sex with, with, you know, Carl and stuff. And yeah. that's great. That actually is part of, it's meant, you know, that's it's dance. part of her character. It's who she is. Like it's, that is appropriate there. He is. And, I think he's aware that it's an issue. I think he is improving on this. I, yeah, I mean, again, like, for the many, besides just wanting, like, the plot and everything of these books, like, there's, it's been so long since, I mean, these are written in the 90s, and I think we all agree, like, it's just a different time and different tolerance and different expectations, and so it's just like, okay, here's this dude who's, like, a really, really good writer, who I think is somewhat progressive, like, what is he, like, what is his now, like, where, what does his brain now say about this? And, like, where does it go? Like, it's really interesting to be sad if it, like, is a failure, but it's just kind of interesting to think about, like, where does he take this world in, in like, the now modern lens? And, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get it, but it is, like, really interesting to think about. Yeah. Oh, well. Any other questions from anyone? We don't have any more mail, and I'm good. Fuck well, you, George R. R. Martin. That's what I have to say. I just to, fuck this yeah. shit. Sorry we had to sit through another Danny chapter, y'all. The next one, I think, is like the fun one at least. So we're due. We have that going. Yep. So um if you would like to um talk about 90 soap operas, um whatever, whatever you can we can slam George for or whatever else, you can um email us at close the door and at gmail. You can tweet us at Door Podcast. You can um, find us on the Jamie Brand subreddit. You can send us an anonymous message if you'd like via Tumblr. We're at Close the Door and come here on there. Um, like, review us wherever you read, wherever you read your podcast. <laughs> sure. 
You know, if you're reading podcasts, if you're listening to podcasts as well, you can also like and review us. And uh, we'd like to thank our Patreons for their support. We're close the close the door on Patreon. And with that, I am closing the door. Get out. <laughs>